Today, um, we're going to be kicking off the new year with talking about a fast that we're going to do as a church family, all right? Now, when I say the word fast, I didn't get a lot of yahoos or claps, but you know, I knew that ahead of time because I am also human and I like my food. I like eating more than fasting, okay? And so uh, I, I'm not fasting 300 days a year and eating 65 um, but there are times when we are called together as the people of God to fast. And so um, I'm just letting you know up front, we're going to be unpacking some of these things. But um, And as you walked in the door, you probably got one of these. You didn't get one. We've got them available for you. But this just kind of gives you a simple little breakdown of kind of why we're doing what we are doing this year as a church family. All right. Well, um, as 2021 was coming to a close... Uh, several senior pastors um, within the Antioch movement, and just to preface that, um, we are not a denomination of itself like maybe a Methodist or Baptist would be, but we are a community and a family of churches. Uh, called, we call ourselves the Antioch Movement. It's a better way to kind of describe it, and essentially what that is is that there's about 45 churches in the United States of America. They're meeting just like this on a Sunday morning that all have discipleship schools, that are all missional people, that carry these core values of life group and discipleship and pursuing the presence of God and doing together in community. That's all across from the East Coast to the West Coast and everywhere in between. And then we also have a number of teams overseas. I cannot keep track. It's somewhere between 80 and 100 uh, teams we have overseas right now that are church planners that are working to share the gospel with people that don't know with the unreached people groups of the earth. And they are making disciples and meeting in homes and reading together with people. And if you ever get to go on a mission trip with us, like Billy shared earlier, if you want to go on one, 99% of the time, we're going to be going, connecting with one of our overseas uh, Antioch teams we have, so you get to work with them. So it's like getting to hang out with your uncles and aunts and cousins overseas that you've never met. And that's kind of what it's like to go on a mission trip. But it's fun because you understand the values and the culture, although they're from a different place, you're like, oh, there's a, there's, there, there's, there's a heart connect here. There's similarities in how we're seeing things, hearing things. Isn't that cool? So we just want to encourage you that you are part of a larger Antioch family. And this year as we close the year, um, uh, the leadership and from different places said, hey, let's pull together and ask God, what are you saying about 2022? Let's get it all in. Well, after everything came in, there's about 36 pages worth of scriptures and prophetic words and prayers and things that people were thinking about that were collected from leaders all over the world. That was then processed and filtered through down just a couple of pages. And what it all came down to was that as we reflected on the past year, the Lord had kind of spoken this word to the Antioch movement at large to say, you are gonna be the conscripted church and kind of got this imagery from the Queen Mary. And I'll talk about more of that in just a moment. But, um, but this, this word of being the conscripted uh, church kind of came from this idea of the Queen Mary, which was this large uh, cruise liner boat. Jimmy Seibert, who's the senior pastor in Antioch Waco, he actually came here in April of 2021. So you want to look it up on our website. You can go back and watch the message. It's really powerful. And he unpacks this way more in depth. But just to give you a couple of things, the Queen Mary was the cruise liner of its day. Okay, it was top notch and it was outfitted and very extravagant. 
And before World War II broke out, it was, it was carrying people across the Atlantic from America back to Europe, and it was this incredible ship. At the time, it was the fastest ship for its size, um, and, um, and, and at the start of World War II, the Allied forces conscripted the Queen Mary and said, hey, we're now going to take this ship over, we're going to pull out all the nice stuff, and we're actually going to convert it into a troop carrier. So they made this huge cruise ship into a troop carrier. It carried, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands of troops across from America over to Europe so that we could help fight the war. And in the conscription of the Queen Mary, there's a lot of prophetic things that the Lord had been speaking to leaders over the years, and Jimmy unpacked some of those in April. But as we prayed and sought God to say, hey, what are you saying for 2022? The Lord reminded us again and said, hey, you know what? We're not finished with the Queen Mary imagery. He's like, oh, we thought it was just the conscripted thing. We're going to move on. He's like, no, we're actually going to carry that on for the next four or five years as a movement that that's going to be what God is speaking to us. And specifically, um, with, with, uh, with, with last year, the scripture the Lord kind of gave, um, uh, gave us was, was to highlight this passage in Esther chapter 4, where it talks about Esther being appointed for such a time as this. And that, and that the Queen Mary, that the Antioch people, that we were being conscripted by the Lord to kind of go from the cruise liner mentality mindset into the troop carrier, meaning that there had to be a shift in our hearts and that we had to be retrofitted as the church, yeah. right? So even coming out of COVID, I know COVID is still around and all those sorts of things, um, uh, and it has created a lot of disruptions, but it's also created opportunity for people to reflect and to really say, man, how are we wired as a church? What are we really doing? It gave us pause to kind of, to really consider what is our mission again? What is the church's role? God, what are you saying to us? Let's not just get stuck in the cruise liner mentality and do the same thing over and over again without pausing and saying, Lord, what are you saying? So the retrofitting has been happening and, and, and going into 2022, the kind of overall uh, kind of culmination of all these different words in the sense was that the ship is setting sail and we are to ignite the boiler room. The ship is setting sail and we are to ignite the boiler room. Now, a couple of things about the boiler room. The Queen Mary actually had the largest boiler room on water at the time. And it made it the most powerful and fastest ship in her day. Actually, it was so fast as it was retrofitted to be a troop carrier that it could outpace the German U-boats that tried to sink it. So they couldn't even catch it, even though it was this massive ship. Because the boiler room at its time was innovated. It was this engineering feat of how it could move such a large ship at such high speeds across the water. And so the Lord's speaking to us saying, hey, it's time to reignite the boiler room for prayer and for intercession. A couple of scriptures that, again, were highlighted again. If you've been with Antioch for any length of time, we've been a church here for 12 years. But you've heard these passages before, but God's reigniting them Again, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your ropes and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. That's been a word for Antioch for so many years now. It's been a scripture we keep going back to. In many ways, it's, it's what propels us to continue to invest in our local cities and communities and to invest in the nations around the world to continue to keep the missions pipeline going. There is a call on us to be a people that are not just about the place where we live, but it's about reaching others and bringing and sharing the gospel to the four corners of the earth. 
At the same time, God highlighted this passage again as we're praying through 2022, Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So again, going back to this, to this mindset of the ship is setting sail, and we are to ignite the boiler room so we can get it moving. Now, a little bit more about the boiler room, okay? Um, a couple interesting things when you think about a boiler room on a ship <clears throat> is there's a direct line from the bridge where the captain is and the people driving the boat back to the boiler room. There has to be a direct line of communication, kind of like when you think of a captain saying, full steam ahead, right? And, well, they're literally telephoning back down to the boiler room to start putting more coal in, to start getting this thing moving again, right? Or to slow down. So there has to be a connection from that leadership down to the boiler room. Or another way to say it is, um, uh, they're, they're, you know, when you, think about it, when you think about a ship in that sense, if you think about the captain being the kind of apostolic, kind of gifted leader connected back to the boiler room, which is the prophetic people that is speaking, praying, interceding. There has to be a connection there. And when we look at the New Testament church over and over and over, right, you even had Paul and Barnabas who in many ways acted as this apostolic and prophetically gifted team. You even have it all through the scriptures that as God is putting leadership on people and on communities, there has to be people interceding, right? You look at the Old Testament. What did you see over and over? You had a king leading and you had a prophet sent to talk to the king. And when those lines were cut off, things went really wrong, right? They went terrible, actually. When the king wouldn't listen to the prophets, things went really poorly for Israel. But when there was a connection there, when they were synced up and saying, hey, this is what I'm hearing from God, and the leadership's informed, and they know, okay, great, we're going to make decisions based off what God is saying, not just based off what I think is a good idea. Does that make any sense? So when you talk about this idea of the boiler room, that's why the prayer and the intercession has to be there as a people. Another little piece about the Queen Mary. Modern day, it's actually docked in Long Beach, California, right? So if you go there, you can check it out. And it's converted into a museum and a hotel today. Well, when they docked it there, they actually retrofitted it back to the cruise liner status, no longer troop carrier status, They put all the nice stuff back in it to make it look like it did originally, right? They put every single thing back in it except for the boiler room. They actually removed it. They took it out. And when they were asked about it, they said, well, hey, it's taking up too much space. This is meant to be a museum. The point is this, right? When you take out the boiler room, when you take out the prayer or the intercession, right, then you simply just become a museum, right? You become a monument, right? And so for us as a people, for me personally, for us as a movement, as we were on this call with Jimmy and talking through things and he was like, we have to be a people again that cannot just sit dormant and docked and be like, look at what we used to be, right? And so I think that the church at large in America, there are some things that people are wanting to reminisce about the old days, what it used to be, right? And they're caught up in political turmoil or things are happening or things are changing and they're not really sure how to handle it. And there's a reactive sense. Everyone's reacting, right, to what's happening Versus when you're, in the, when you're in the prayer realm, you're not reacting. You're proactive. You're actually looking ahead. You're foreshadowing. The prophets weren't referring back to old things. They were speaking to the kings and saying, hey, God is saying about this in our future. So you need to listen. God is saying about this for the now, right? The prayer and the intercession is not about dwelling on the past. It's about the present and moving forward, right? And so if you don't have the boiler room, you don't have that stuff happening, you're just this big, beautiful ship that can't move. And that's not who we want to be. 
We don't want to be the church that's like, look at that big, beautiful thing sitting there, not doing anything, not helping anybody. But man, it had a good run, didn't it? But that is what many people have settled for in the body of Christ. Let it not be us. Amen. So God has spoken about Ignite the Boiler Room for us to go full steam ahead. So what does it look like for us? Well, we believe, and this is not just us, but there are majority of the churches in the Antioch movement across America and the teams around the world are all jumping in on this fast that we're kicking off tomorrow. So it's like worldwide, we've got brothers and sisters saying, hey, we are jumping in together as a people because we need God to ignite that boiler room again. So how do we do that? Well, it's through worship, it's through prayer, and it's through fasting. Um, I love what you know, Jesus said. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. So this is a chance for us to partner with him so that we can respond wholeheartedly to the call of the Lord. So specifically, fasting, just to talk about this for a moment, fasting is highlighted throughout the scriptures. Today, I wanna highlight a fasting that looks a little different than maybe what some of us have experienced before, which would be found in the book of Daniel. Now, there's two specific types of fast you see in the book of Daniel. Um, and you see them in chapters 1 and chapters 10. Well, when Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, um, and the other young Israelite men, they were taken, right? So Israelites were taken in captivity into Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, he selected a few of these young men to be trained up so they could be operating in his service in his palace. Um, when they were brought in, they were given food and wine from the king's table while undergoing a three-year training program. I just want to highlight one verse for you, though. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, it's likely that the royal food didn't follow kosher laws as they had, which included them not eating things like pork. And the official who was over Daniel was actually pretty fearful. You can read, and he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get killed for this if I don't feed you the food. They told me to feed you the king's table food. And so Daniel had asked them, and he said, hey, well, hey, let's do this. Um, put me to the test for 10 days. And so him and his three companions, he said, hey, let us just eat vegetables and water for 10 days, and then you judge and decide which group looks healthier, right? So at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Daniel chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. So what did God do? God gave them favor when they decided to fast and do things his way, not going against what God already spoken to them. And then there's favor there in the palace. As you continue to read Daniel, you know the guy had crazy interpretation skills, right? That God gave him to interpret dreams and all sorts of crazy stuff. But what we see the setup here is that he comes and he says, hey, I'm not going to bow to the foreign lands. I'm actually going to submit myself to God as well. So Lord, help me out of this. So he did this 10-day fast of vegetables and water. So when you hear of a Daniel fast, some may refer to that as just doing vegetables or fruits and nuts and water, something like that. Now, let's continue on. Later on in Daniel chapter 10, timeline moves ahead, and um, they're now under the rule of Cyrus, okay, King Cyrus. Daniel 
At this time, he received this really scary, frightening vision, which we won't go into today, but it was this really intense dream. And it says that he mourned for three weeks, and he ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched his lips, and he used no lotions and, uh, at all until the three weeks were over. Now, I didn't know Daniel's such a guy for the skin, but hey, <laughs> lotion, you don't want to dry out? But he just put all that stuff away, right? And so... Um, you know, again, it says he didn't have, for these three weeks, he didn't have meat. He didn't have the wine. Um, he didn't have other kind of choice foods, right? However you want to interpret that. Maybe it's, I don't know, cookies and cakes. I'm not sure. But he chose to say, hey, I'm going to submit myself in this time of mourning. This fast was different. This fast was a mourning fast for him, what he was doing. But I want you to see something key here in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then Daniel, he saw an angel who explained the vision to him and strengthened him during this fast. And it says the fast was a time of mourning for Daniel and also part of how he set his mind to gain understanding to humble himself before his God. The key things I just want you to see is that when Daniel fasted, there was an understanding that he gained and he pursued in the fast from the Lord. His fasting was, yes, he's mourning over this crazy dream that's going to happen but he was humbling himself before the Lord and saying, God, give me wisdom. Lord, teach me. Show me your ways. He was drawing near to him, right? When he fasted just with vegetables and water, I don't believe he just kind of stood in the corners like, I'm just going to eat veggies and water and like pridefully ate it. And judge. I think I, we don't see everything laid out there, but I'm pretty sure he was seeking God daily in prayer. He was going back to the Torah, to the words. He was reminding himself who God is, the promise of God, as, by the way, he's in captivity in a foreign land, stripped of his homeland, everything else. It wasn't like everything's going well. He was like, hey, you're enslaved in a foreign land. And yet he still is saying, God, I trust you. I love you. I'm going to press in. Right? That's when it gets a little harder. When things aren't going our way, we're like, whoa, well, God, maybe I'll fast when things get right. But I just want to tell you over and over, God so many times often moves on us and matures us and, and brings us to the next level in relationship with him, so to speak, when we are tested, when things are hard, not when we're on the cruise ship. This is what God is saying to us as a people. So we have the idea of the Daniel fast, the 10-day 21. Well, as we kind of pray through it, um, and the leadership of the movement just said, hey, let's do a three-week fast, right? And so um, we're not going to go to 10, we're going to go for the 21. We're going to go all in, okay? Um, so that's where, gonna, that's where we're going to be inviting you guys into today. Now, let's talk about, kind of based off the scripture of, of Daniel seeking understanding from the Lord, another way to say that is he wanted to hear God more clearly, Okay. So let's just talk about fasting and how that helps our relationship with God. I would put it this way. Fasting creates space for us to hear and see God more clearly. So if someone says, well, why would you fast? Is it just to get skinny? Is it a new diet thing? And it's like, I'm sure it will help you. You fast too long. Yeah, you'll lose some weight. That's just the way it goes. You know, like food in. I mean, that's just it. But that's not the goal. The goal really is it creates space for you to hear God more clearly. So hearing God, just a note on this, hearing God starts with hearing God through the word of God. So hearing God for us at Antioch, where does it start? It starts with when I say, hey, I want to hear God on something. My first place to go to is actually to the word of God. Does it make sense? It's not disconnected from it. So when we say that language right here, just for everybody, a little education, we hear God mainly through the 
word of God. And then the better you know the scriptures, the better you're able to hear God. The less you know the word of God, the more you're grasping for stuff. You're like, oh, I don't, that, I'm not sure that sounds right. You know, like if you, if you pray, you're journaling, you're saying, Lord, would you speak to me? Or Lord, speak to my heart or give me a phrase or vision or Lord, I want to know from you, God. That's great. But if you don't have the foundation of the scriptures, you're not really sure, is that like the voice of the devil or God? Or am I just making that up? And you're so confused. The most confused people in hearing God are people that are very, like, they're like this deep with the word. They're very surfacey. They got all sorts of whimsical, cool ideas and stories. That's great for a movie. But like, I'm not so sure that's the Lord. Because actually the scriptures talk about this and this and this and this. And just so you know, the spirit of God does not contradict the word of God. Right? So again, we have the word of God, so which means all of us can hear God through the word of God, but it also then allows for the spirit of God to illuminate the word of God. Does that make sense? So when, when we talk about this as a people, how do we hear God? We hear God through the word and the spirit. It's both and, right? Just like, uh, just like you know, Jesus said, hey, one day there'll be true worshipers. They'll worship in spirit and truth. It is both and, but they're not disconnected from each other. In the book of John, John 16, 7, Jesus says, um, he says to his disciples, says, hey, it's to your advantage that I go away. And they're thinking, that's a head scratcher. Like, why? Why is that to our advantage again? Because aren't you like the son of God? I mean, if I was sitting there, I'd be like, no, it's not to our advantage. What are you, what is going on? Jesus, hello. Like, we need you here, man. We've been waiting for you. You're here. And he's like, no, it's to your advantage that I go. Why? Because I'm sending my Holy Spirit. And everything you need to know, he'll tell you. John chapter 16, 12 through 15. This is such a, a foundational verse when it comes to hearing God. And so just for you talking to family or friends or when they're, you know, sometimes you'll say that and they're like, whoa, you're getting all mystical, weird on me. And it's like, hold on a second. Jesus said it. You know, let's just go where Jesus said. John 16, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now just let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus is saying, it's good that I go because the spirit of God comes. And when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you all things that are to come. Do you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are synced up? They're not in division. They're not in contention. It's not, well, I heard Jesus said this. Well, the spirit said this. <laughs> if you ever get that, like someone's praying for you in life group, you're like, well, the word says this. And it's like, wait a second, who's off? Oh, probably you, right? Like... <laughs> Right, it's right, like the word of like it's our interpretation of what we hear, right? Like that's where it's like, hey, I see in part, I hear in part. Man, that's great. But I'm so glad that the word has come so that's been revealed to us. But what's he talking about? At this point in time in John 16, Jesus was still hanging out with him. The Spirit of God had not come as he had promised. But let's fast forward to the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 2. We know when you read the story in Acts chapter 1 and 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. There's people praying together. I don't know if they were fasting. Maybe they were. But they were worshiping and praying to the Lord in this upper room. And the Lord comes there and the Spirit of God comes in Jerusalem and meets with them. And this crazy stuff starts happening. And Peter gets up because all the people from the town had heard the craziness. They're like, what is going on? These people are totally drunk and out of their mind. They have lost it. You know, and they're like, no, 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 we're not drunk. This is the Spirit of God coming. And it looks crazy and weird, I know. But this is how we're able to speak multiple languages right now, sharing with you the gospel and, the, and, and who God really is. So let me clarify for you what is happening? And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days... I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That day, Peter stood up and declared, this is that day. That day is happening. And just for clarity, that day didn't come, and then the sunset, and it's over. Yep. Holy Spirit, let's go back to heaven, hang out there for a while. That's not what happened. The Spirit of God came upon a people. Spirit of God is then dispersed. And boom, now the Holy Spirit today in 2022, he is worldwide. He is global. Yes. Right? He's before anything else social. He, he, is, he is the global spirit of God. He is present where Jesus was limited by time and space on planet Earth. Right. He could not be everywhere at the same time. Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we forget that. Yeah. Well, Jesus, he couldn't do everything. Yeah, but he still was a person on Earth in flesh limited as fast as his feet could go he didn't have an airplane or a chopper to go from city to city and do multiple events in a day it was oh yeah we'll see you in a week once you walk there do you know what i'm saying jesus was limited by time and space that's why he told his disciples it's really good that i go because i'm no longer limited i can now be present everywhere by my spirit he can be speaking to you which is why right now all over the planet earth there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of people right now that are worshiping him in spirit and truth, that are reading the word of God, that he's illuminating to them right now. God is breaking off bondages and addictions and highlighting who he is to people all over the planet of different colors, different races, different languages, different nationalities, young and old, male and female. He is speaking to people all over because we are in those last days. Those last days were also in 800 A.D. and 1300 A.D. and 1675 A.D. and 2022. It's just a long last days. <laughs> and Jesus already answered the question, well, hey, how do we know? And he's like, that's not your concern. Don't worry about it. You're not going to know. Only the Father knows. Just stay focused on me. But the key I want you to hear is that he says, all flesh. All flesh. He says male and female. Men and women can hear God. Young and old. Children can hear God. And I would argue at times if you put up adults versus children on a hearing God competition. <laughs> might be a good game show. Adults might lose a few of those. You know why? Because they're not, they're not caught up with all the broken junk experience, history, doubt, 
criticism, questioning, interpret. They're just like, oh, this is what he said. The faith level. It's like, that's why we're told, hey, have a childlike faith. That's what moves mountains. Not the critical questioning from every angle, you know, wonky stuff. So just, if you're lacking faith, get around a child. And let's worship together. Hey, let's go. Let's hear God together. And that'll stir your hearts. People can hear God. And one more thing is that hearing God in a community is better. Because, man, there's some funky stuff I've heard. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Talk to my wife about it or talk to a buddy like, oh, yeah, dude, that is off. Okay, thanks. Because I was thinking it was off, but I wasn't sure. But thanks for checking. Or or it's like, I don't know. I'm feeling this thing. like, hey, have you read this scripture? Because this scripture seems to maybe illuminate what you're sensing, what you're hearing. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. I would have never known that if I didn't have someone in my life to say, hey, hello. Does it make any sense? It keeps you sharp. It's accountability. It keeps you from getting wonky. That's why you shouldn't be an isolated Christian. There is no admonition in the entirety of the scriptures to live a life isolated Christianity. It does not exist. If anyone was isolated, it was for a short period of time to God really deal with them in a fierce way, like Paul, like Moses, okay? And then what happened after that? It was like power hour, okay? It was like, kaboom! It was like, whoa! Jesus in the desert. It was like, every time you went away isolated, they came back like superhero, spirit of God filled, clarity of vision. It's like, okay? So if you get isolated, you better come back with some punch. You better not come out all comfortable and cruise liner-ish and all sleepy and grumpy. You understand? You have to be part of the body of Christ. And so I'm just telling you as a side note, any person you see, just take it as a little charge during this fast. Anyone you see that would claim themselves to be a Christian, your first question to ask, hey, that's great. I'd love to know how you came to know Christ. Second question, what church, what community believers are you a part of? And don't tell me online church. That is not a community of believers. That's like watching a podcast. Online church is not church. It is watching something that other people are experiencing and pretending you're there. It's like virtual reality. It ain't real. It's virtual. If it was real, they would call it real. Okay? So as a community of believers, though, you've got to hear God together. And so when we are disconnected in the body of Christ, you are choosing to go down a path that gets really weird, which is why we're going to do this fast together so that a few of us get weird, we can help each other. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are going to get weird a little bit. Some of us are going to do things. You're like, what did you do? Or like, oh, man, rain it in. You know what I'm saying? So it's a community doing it together. But I want you to hear me say you can hear God. I used to believe I couldn't for years. I was like, I can't hear God. You come out. And I, all I knew was just the word of God, that was it. And I thought that was it. And I, there was, but then when I realized and people prayed over me and I began searching, it's like, wait, God can speak to my mind. And there are some thoughts and it's not 100%. There's, he'll bring to mind a, a, a clip of a movie or a phrase from a scripture or highlight some color. Sometimes like, where is this going, Lord? Or, and I'm like, oh, well, this is okay. Like he wants to speak to you in a way that you can understand, but it takes a little bit of searching. It's not instant. It's not a Google search. It's not, do you know what I'm saying? It's a relationship. It takes time and pressing in and learning how to hear him and then how to rightly interpret that or ask for help with that and go back to the word with that. So don't be so quick just to ditch something because it didn't work the first time, right? Or like, well, I I prayed for one person four years ago for their need to be healed. It didn't happen, so God was not healed. It's like, that's the lamest argument ever. You know what I'm saying? 
That's, yeah, I'm not going to go there. So whatever. All right, here we go. So Acts 2, John, hearing God, here we go. Um, so what are we doing to those fast? Kind of what it's typically, I'm going to wrap it up here. What are we going for? Um, you can kind of see on this card here, kind of three main things we're going for. This would be corporately as a church body and individually. We're going for hunger, freedom, and power. Hunger, freedom, and power. It's very simple, okay? So hunger, we just want a hunger for Jesus and a deep consecration to him and a love for him. We want to consecrate ourselves. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. Number two, freedom. We want freedom from sin and the weights that easily entangle us. We want freedom from it, guys. We want to get off the treadmill of sin, whatever that is, get off it. Say, I don't want off it. I want to get off, you know. But sometimes you got to change what your daily habits, routines are to get off that treadmill. And they say, hold on a second, I need, so that's like a fast is going to help us change some things. Um, Specifically with the freedom from sin and the weights entangle us, uh, what we're feeling like as well is that we as a people have to let go of past judgments. That that is part of this. One of the words I can't get to now, but that were spoken was this idea of the word of, um, that this is going to be a year of Jubilee in 2022. Not to break that down, you can look it up, but you know, the year of Jubilee was every 50 years, they would forgive everybody's debts across the land, their money, everything else they've done, and just let it all go. And it was a sign from God to say, hey, I will get rid of everything. Even those who have the biggest amount of debt, I can deal with it. This year of Jubilee, specifically for us, that there's a place for us to really forgive, all of us, to really search our hearts, say, hey, I want to truly forgive and let go of that pain, of that judgment, forgive to let this year be the year that you deal with it and you forgive it and you allow the Lord to wash it away. It's not too late <laughs> to forgive and bless someone. And all of us probably have got at least one person, if not a dozen, that we need to work that through. The last one is power, that we will receive the Acts 2 power, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit like the day of Pentecost. You see, the Holy Spirit is poured out and then what happened? They spread. They shared the gospel. They were bold. Signs and wonders were happening. People are hearing God. People are getting set free. There was such um, a, a unique space and time for the gospel to go forward. That's what we're believing for, hunger, freedom, and power. You know, this idea of consecration, I um, <clears throat> want to make mention to you that actually tonight, uh, if you want to, you can stream in Antioch Waco's doing a live consecration tonight. Uh, and you can go to, their, go to their website and tune into that, but it's happening this evening, and they're gonna do, it's a consecration night there, and they're gonna allow people to stream in from all around uh, just to kind of, what does it look like to position your hearts, and so we'd love for you to jump in on that. Uh, but consecration, biblically, it means the separation of oneself from things that are unclean, especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with a perfect God. The other way to put it is consecration carries the meaning of sanctification, holiness, purity. That really, we're doing this fast because we want to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, water was really precious. And this command would be coupled with them um, usually bathing themselves, personal hygiene, and putting on new clothes. And it was to symbolize this washing and this changing, not just on the outside, but what God was wanting to do on the inside. And so for us, that's what we're wanting to do um, at, before we start this fast all morning is just taking times for us and really throughout this fast to consecrate ourselves, to really put things away. I love what, what, what Paul says 
in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to this pattern, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what we want. We want a mind renewal. Lord, help us where our minds have gotten crazy. So here's what we're inviting you into. There's gonna be some things you can do to pray on a practical note, um, to pray and worship with us. These next three Tuesdays at 6.30 to 7.30 a.m., we're gonna be up here in the big room. We're gonna be praying and worshiping. So if you wanna come with us, jump in. 6.30, 7.30, come before school, before work. Bring your kids. I don't know, come on. We're gonna worship and pray 6.30, 7.30 and just seek God together on Tuesdays. On Thursdays, for those that aren't not the early risers, we've got a lunch hour deal. We're gonna do 12 to 1. So 12 to 1 on Thursdays up here. So 12 to 1 Thursdays, 6.30, 7.30 Tuesdays. We'd love to pray with you. Um, uh, throughout this fast. Secondly, there is going to be on the Antioch Waco Instagram uh, feed, they're going to be sending out a daily scripture and prayer that are actually read by different pastors and leaders around the Antioch movement that are going to be uh, sharing a scripture and just praying that through. If you just want to track through, it's a two, three minute deal just to be synced up with what others are doing around the world. And then lastly, just when it comes to the fast itself, hopefully I'd share with you a little bit of kind of why we're doing it and our heart behind it. But what we chose to do is to kind of lay out kind of three things we're, we're, we want to tackle in terms of fasting. It's food, it's media, and it's lifestyle. And we're not being specific about what you need to do or anything like that. And I just want you to hear me say, this is, you're invited into this. You don't have to do this. You're not shamed at Antioch if you're not fasting or for caught eating a burger or something. <laughs> so just, let me just help you not be weird about that right now. <laughs> it's an invitation. Um, my family, we've been doing a Daniel fast for about 21 days, the last several Januaries, just personally as a family. So what we're inviting us into, and the whole movement is, hey, inviting into this three-week fast, specifically food. You can choose to do all sorts of things with food. There's different things listed here, but just the heart behind it is, Lord, what can I change out of my diet that is otherwise normative so that I can create more space for you? And you may be a little hungry, you may decide, hey, we're gonna fast caffeine and I'm gonna have some headaches, but then allow God to meet you in those places, right? Like you may choose to do different parts of this 21 days. You may do, you know, water only fast and then juice or then you may not have meat. You just may do fruits and vegetables like Daniel did or, you know, whatever it looks like. That's up to you to work that through. Do it with your roommates you want to, with your family, your life group, talk it through. But just that's between you and the Lord as to how you would go about changing what you're eating and drinking over the next 21 days so that you're saying, Lord, I'm gonna give this up so I can just create a little bit more space for you. Media, this may be tougher than food, <laughs> right? But just what would it look like, Lord, if I wasn't just constantly inundated with the media? For many of us, it may be, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch shows for three weeks. And maybe, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break from YouTube entirely. Or, you know, it's social media. I'm just gonna tell my friends, hey, I'm off for next three weeks. I'll see you after that, but I'm gonna take a break. I don't know what it looks like for you, but the important thing is just to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how can I pull away from what's normal and filling up my mind space, right? Paul talks about renewing of the mind, the transformation. It's hard to do that when it's so full with stuff all the time. You see, to take a break and breathe, read a book, sit and talk to friends, read the word, go on a walk with God. And then the last piece is just lifestyle. 
it's not just our food or the media, but it's, hey, what can I change? Maybe we just, maybe you feel really busy. You know what, these three weeks, I'm gonna slow it down. We're gonna slow it down. Maybe it's, you know what, I don't ever exercise. So I'm gonna exercise every single day at this fast. Whether it's a walk, whether it's push-ups or run, I'm gonna do something to say, Lord, I'm gonna give you this space. It doesn't, I don't know how it looks for you, but our encouragement is to participate and be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Jump in with us. We're gonna end it on Sunday, January 30th. We're gonna celebrate then. It's gonna be awesome. But again, we're not saying to make this a complete food fast. We're just saying, what are elements in your life from food, media, and lifestyle that you can set aside so we can hear God more clearly and seek Him and gain more understanding and really break through in these areas of hunger, freedom, and power. Amen? All right, here's what we're gonna do. I just want you to stay seated for a moment. I just want you to pull out your journal or your phone, whatever you got. We're gonna take a couple minutes right now and just ask the Lord, Lord, <laughs> uh, what do you want me to do? You may not have the full answer right now. I'm not asking for that, but just to get it started so that when we start tomorrow morning, you're ready. You feel like, hey, I feel like I heard God on what I'm supposed to do in this fast, and I feel good about that. And the Lord may give you specifics. He may tell you, hey, I don't know, talk to your friends about it, and you guys come up with something. I don't know. Let's take a few minutes right now before we end in worship to ask the Lord about food, media, and lifestyle. What would he be inviting you into for this three-week fast? So, Lord Jesus, we just invite you to speak to us, not just now, but later today, tomorrow, the next three weeks specifically, Lord, we're inviting you 
to speak to our hearts in ways that maybe we can hear more clearly. Maybe we'll have more understanding. Maybe you want to highlight some things in our lives or from what you're calling us into or to deal with things in our past. I don't know, Lord. But as a church, as a people, we want to make space for you to clearly show us the way, speak to us, ignite our hearts, Lord. Ignite the boiler room in each of us that's stirred up for prayer, for intercession, for going hard after you and after the things that are on your heart. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go and stand as we worship this morning.